Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I have a great show for you today. I remind you that you're more intelligent than you know. I'll also be interviewing Dr. Kumar Mehta, who has been at the forefront of personal excellence and innovation for 30 years, thus making him a noted expert on achieving extreme success. In today's episode, he reviews his book, The Exceptionals, How the Best Become the Best and How You Can Too. This book provides you with a blueprint to advance from good to great to outstanding to elite. For more information about Dr. Mehta, please visit kumarmehta.com. You may also purchase his book on Amazon or in this show's notes entitled Being Exceptional with guest Dr. Kumar Mehta at James Miller Lifeology. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. you are more intelligent than you know. I have worked with so many people over the years who have told me that they didn't do well in school. They would see their friends get all these straight A's and they would try so hard, but for whatever reason, they just weren't able to do it. Unfortunately, we link grades with intelligence. And of course that makes sense because in school, that's what we're taught. The better you are doing your homework, the higher your grades will be. And for those individuals who do have a learning disability or don't do well taking tests, unfortunately, that can be a setup for them to feel as if they're not good enough. And unfortunately, that good enough feeling often continually permeates the rest of their life. We've all heard of intelligence tests. And those intelligence tests, what they do are they measure our cognitive abilities. In other words, they measure how we understand certain things or basically what we can recall from what we were taught. Or if we look at something, can we guess what the next thing will be? There are different tests within an intelligence test that kind of groups together to have someone understand what is their overall intelligence. And that's what most people think about when they think of intelligence is that particular test. So we can often see someone and think, oh my gosh, that person is so smart, or they're so successful, or they made so many inventions, or they've done this or that, and I can't even do this, or I can't even do that. And once again, that creates this disconnect between who we think are successful because of how smart they are versus the person we are, or who got really poor grades in school. However, this is the exciting part. There are actually eight different types of intelligence that many people do not know about. Back in 1983, this all started. And it's now becoming more prevalent because so many people did find that they struggled with taking a lot of the standardized tests. So real quickly, I'm going to explain these eight different types of intelligence. So I want you to listen to which one makes sense for you. Because I promise you, my friend, one of them makes sense for you. And when you recognize which one of those intelligence is yours, then things will start to make sense. It gives you a sense of pride, a sense of confidence to know that someone who may have a high general IQ, kind of like the standardized tests, that you're just like them, but in a different way. So these are what those eight different types are. The first one is spatial intelligence. In other words, when you can look at a room or perhaps even look at a map, if you're driving, all of a sudden in your mind, you can pick that map up, spin it around, see where you are, and be able to navigate in your mind where you need to go. 
So that's one way to kind of think about that. That's spatial intelligence, visualizing everything essentially in 3D. And that is very, very difficult for so many people. Another one is a naturalist. That is the quick grasp and understanding of everything happening in nature. You can look at a plant and immediately know what kind of plant that is, or you can look at a certain type of species of animal and know what that is. So anything that has to do with nature, that would be the naturalist. And that, once again, is a specific type of intelligence. Another one is linguistics. Have you ever had some of those friends who can pick up any type of language or any type of accent? That is another version of that. As well as knowing the right words to say. <laughs> have you ever seen those people on stage and you think, oh my gosh, that person did so well. They didn't even mess up. They didn't have any these fillers like ums or and. And because of that, they have that linguistic intelligence. So it has to do with languages. It has to do with finding the right words and how to use those words to come across in a very effective way. And the next modality is intrapersonal intelligence. What this one means is one I really enjoy because it has to do with how well do you know yourself? How much introspection do you have? Are you able to look at yourself and know exactly why you're doing what you're doing and kind of weeding through all of the different superficial reasons why we did something or the justifications of why we did something? Because the more intrapersonal you are, the healthier you're going to be to help the people around you. The fifth one is the interpersonal one. Now, that's one we've all heard of before. That's kind of like the emotional quotient, or rather the EQ. That one is your ability to have empathy for others, to put yourself in someone's shoes, essentially read the room or read what they're going through, and to know how to interact with them in a very healthy way. The next one here is one that some of us may or may not have. It's a logical or mathematical intelligence. That's kind of a given with those people who are so brilliant in math. So that is their intelligence, which is wonderful. The next one is a musical intelligence. That one is pretty obvious in the sense of a person has strong musical abilities. That could be either through perfect or relative pitch or being able to hear music and play it on any instrument or write music or just have a very strong connection to music overall. And the last one is a bodily or kinesthetic intelligence. And what that essentially means is your agility. Doesn't mean you have to necessarily be athletic, although most people who have this intelligence are athletic or play some type of sports, but it has to do with your ability to know exactly where your hand should be at a certain time or how to move in a way that's very fluid, very graceful, very agile. So essentially, you're incredibly coordinated. So those are the eight different types of intelligence. With that in mind, really think about that. Which one makes sense for you? Because when you recognize which one of those really resonates with you, it opens up your self-confidence to so many different things. Because remember, if you continue to compare yourself to someone who has a different type of intelligence, then unfortunately, you're never going to be the same. And that will continually perpetuate that feeling of low self-esteem or that you can't accomplish something or you'll always be less than. The reason why I wanted to talk about this is you'll actually hear me talk about this with Dr. Metta in, in the interview. I thought it was really important that we all understand the different modalities of intelligence. So I ended up doing this segment after the interview. And in this upcoming interview, you're going to hear so many wonderful things about how you can also be exceptional, how you can be ranked with those top performers in the world in their industry. So stay tuned. If you're anything like me, you love to read. Lifeology and Audible.com have partnered to offer you an incredible opportunity. Audible is offering you one free book download with a free 30-day trial. This is perfect for those of you who love to read but often don't have time to enjoy your favorite pastime. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to start your free trial. They have over 180,000 books from all genres, so I'm pretty confident your favorite author's books will be there. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible and start listening to your favorite book today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to get started today. 
My guest today is Dr. Kumar Mehta, who's been at the forefront of personal excellence and innovation for 30 years, thus making him a noted expert on achieving extreme success. In today's episode, he reviews his book, The Exceptionals, How the Best Become the Best and How You Can Too. This book provides you with a blueprint to advance from good to great to outstanding to elite. Welcome to my show, Dr. Mehta. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's, an, it's a pleasure to be here. I am really looking forward to this. From where are you calling me today? I'm actually on my first vacation in a long time, and I'm in Hawaii. Good for uh, you. We just came here for a little trip. Uh, I, I live in Seattle, but we made a, the trek down to Maui to escape a little bit of the winter, and, and we're, doing, we're doing that. Good for you. You know, it's, it's yeah, because I can hear the birds in the background, so I'm sure my listeners are like, where is he? But yeah, <laughs> so he's joining us from a villa on top of a mountain. I'm just kidding. I don't know where you are, but <laughs> that's so funny. You know, it's I was reading uh, the the pitch that was sent to me from your PR person, and I was it was really uh, obviously talking about the exceptionals, and I was reading all this, and I was like, oh, those people are amazing. And I was like, I wish I could be too. And then I read further down, like, oh, okay, well, that's what it's about. So <laughs> I felt included in that pitch. So that's really cool. How did you even decide that that's something you wanted to do? Was to talk about personal excellence and innovation. How did you get in that industry? Right. So, so my career, just I'll step back a little bit, sure. but I started in the corporate world. Uh, I spent uh, the first part of my career uh, at Microsoft. I was there for about 14 years. And then I was an entrepreneur and, and I started a uh, company and, and it, it did reasonably well. And, and uh, after we had a, a kind of a sort of an exit, I try to think about you know, what has made lives better. And I thought that the only thing that has really enhanced our lives is innovation. Mm -hmm. it's, it's new stuff, new medicine, new healthcare, sure. new technology, new transportation. And I thought I'm really going to dig in and understand innovation. And so I started studying innovation right from, uh, you know, right from the invention of the wheel about mm -hmm. 3,000 years ago to all the stuff we do today, robotic surgery and, and smartphones and all sure. this stuff. And, and I came up with some fundamental principles of innovation. And that led me to write my first book called The Innovation Biome. Which is a number one Amazon bestseller, if I, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and I, wasn't, I wasn't a professional writer. Sorry. But, you know, this, this thing kind of brought me into a new profession. Now mm -hmm. I'm going and helping companies and I'm speaking at events and doing all this stuff that I didn't think I'd be doing. Sure. But anyway, that book was about three years ago. And, it, and, uh, and since then, I had this other thought that, you know, what mm -hmm. makes certain people outstanding and exceptional? Mm -hmm. And so I started off with a series of interviews with people uh, who are Nobel laureates and Olympic gold medal athletes and uh, people who had just become exceptional, separated themselves from everyone else in, in, in some ways. You know, they've mm -hmm. just been different. Sure. Uh, and, and I tried to understand what the common elements were that they shared, regardless of fields. It could be sports or music or business or anything. And that's how the, the book came about. The exceptionals is a story of what makes certain people exceptional mm -hmm. and what those qualities are. And I've tried to make it a little bit of a self-help book in terms of, you know, how anyone else wants sure. to realize the potential, how they can do that. Yeah, which is wonderful. Because like I said, when I read it, I was like, oh, I'm not one of those people. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, but you could be. We can, we can all be. <laughs> we all give you. Exactly. And that was one thing I wanted to ask you. So how did you quantify, or in other words, how did you decide what that meant as far as exceptional? Because, you know, many people have different connotations of what that word means. What was, a, what was a, the denotation for you? In other words, what was the, the meaning of that for you? So we could all, when we read the book, know that's specifically what Kumar meant. Yeah, so so that's a very good question, and it's hard to it's it's hard to uh, kind of say this mm -hmm. person is exceptional and this person is not. But basically, I was referring to the one percent of the one percent. Okay. It is uh, 
you know, we use the term 1% all the time, sure. but the most exceptional people are a very small subset of that. Mm-hmm. And they could be in every field. It could be, it could be someone like Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods or someone who's a household name, mm-hmm. or it could be a Nobel Prize winner in physics who no one may have heard about, or sure. it could be someone who, who's created this coronavirus vaccine that, mm-hmm. that, you know, we all talk about, but we really don't know. Sure. <laughs> uh, or it could be some, you know, it could be, you know, somebody in, uh, an accountant or a nurse or a professor, or it could be people in any field, but just the people who, uh, who've just separated themselves from the pack. So gotcha. Speak. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause I know mean, we know many people like that. Um, you know, for example, mother Teresa, you know, she was yeah. mother Teresa and just, you know, everybody knows who, who that amazing woman was or is. Um, and so with that, I mean, she wasn't necessarily, um, you know, an educator or things like that, but she was, she was a healer, I suppose. What do you call her? <laughs> yeah. So well, someone beautiful like that, I can see that that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she had an impact on millions mm, of lives yes. and, and that's what makes someone exceptional mm. is the is is how they behave how they change the world yes and you know from a different standpoint what if we look at the so you have the macro system of the world are there micro systems as well like small aspects small influence like for example um in your own house you could be exceptional in your house you know your household is it something like that as well there, yeah there is uh there is so basically being exceptional it's fulfilling your physical, your mental, your Same. social potential and becoming the best you can become. I like that. And in many cases, if it's in the right field, if it's in a field that aligns with your natural strength, you could be one of the best in the world. Yes. But in other cases, you will have given it your all and you can, you'll actually become the best you can be, which mm-hmm. is, which is about so as, sure. as much as you can strive for. Sure. Yeah. When you... Um, when you wrote this book, what was, because I know my listeners are going to say, well, what was a common, what was a common aspect that, uh, that all these exceptional people had? What was a common thread that was woven between all of them? Yeah, so, so a couple of common threads. Uh, well, first off is that uh, one of the things I did was I actually came up with a formula. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we've heard about all these different things that people talk about all the time, you know. Some, some, uh, there's a common theory that if you put 10,000 hours in something, you're going to mm-hmm. become yeah, the expert, best yeah. in the world yeah. at it. Uh, now, what I learned was that is necessary. You have to put in a lot of hours, but it's not sufficient. You know, me spending 50,000 hours with a basketball is not going to make me Michael <laughs> yeah, Jordan. Exactly. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. So, so it's, it's kind of a little more rounded, holistic thing. And with, through my research, uh, basically, the formula that makes someone exceptional is that 50% of what makes the person uh, that special is genetic. It's what they're born okay. with. Okay. It's just the gifts you have at mm-hmm. birth. Uh, another 25% is the effort you put in. It's, sure. the, it's the intense amount of effort, the 10,000 hours or 20,000 mm-hmm. hours or whatever, because you could be born with great talent, but if you don't put the effort in, you're not going to sure. get there. And the remaining 25% are a set of enablers, and they're actually five enablers. Okay. Uh, it's the environment you grew up mm-hmm. in. It's your commitment to your cause. It's your belief in your abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is your attention to detail, which is something I found common. It's something I call micro-excellence. Uh, and it is your ability to learn and gain knowledge from anywhere and everywhere and, it, and apply it to your discipline. So these were the themes that, regardless of the field, every exceptional individual had these in common. So the, the last five, you said they're, they're influencers? What would you call them? The five, the five aspects? Uh, the enablers. Enablers, thank you. Yeah. That, and it, which I like yeah, that word. You need to, yeah, you need to be born. Obviously, you need to be born with sure. the talent. Uh, you need to put in the effort, but mm-hmm. then you need to have all that come together with a set of enablers. Sure, and I like I like the, the word enabler because I, I think that is very important. For individuals who, let's say, have four of those, 
Um, can they offset it? Can you know the four offset the, the fifth one? Okay, yeah. Yeah. So the way I talk about the way I talk about these, I, I, I think of them as uh, marbles in a jar, mm-hmm. and in fact, that's the cover of my book. It's yeah, I saw that. <laughs> uh, and uh, the the key is to have as big a jar filled with marbles as possible, as many marbles mm-hmm. as possible. But the colors could be interchangeable. You could have more of one left like of that. another. Okay. You, you you know you could have you know more natural talent and maybe that can compensate for something mm-hmm. else or maybe a little less talent and you compensate it with extreme self-belief and extreme hard work so there's a little bit of interchangeable uh the ability to interchange them yeah but you still need a by and large you need all of them i sure. mean if, if you can't not you can't have zero self-confidence because exactly. that's just not going to get you there <laughs> sure <laughs> i totally understand that the um the the different aspects of that you know you're talking about the hard work or how much time and, and energy you put into something but once again you can quantify that or measure that with what's considered hard work for an exceptional person versus what's considered hard work for someone who's working on becoming an exceptional person i'm sure they're going to be quite different in a lot of ways yeah 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 the, the intensity of work uh mm-hmm. If I understand your question, I mean, the amount of effort the people who put in, whether it's Tiger Woods or Michael sure. Jordan or all these common names, or even even someone like, you know, Justin Bieber, who's a pop star or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, anyone who separated themselves, it's just so intense. And most people just can't relate to the sure. amount of work. Yeah. So uh, you know, with my listeners hearing this right now, I, mean, I know they're going to go out and read your book. Uh, and what, what would be a way that they... <laughs> they can automatically connect with these exceptional people. So they're hearing all these things. They're hearing all the, the hundred percent of the different aspects of things all added up. What would it be the way that say, yes, I can relate with that. And I know that I too can become that exceptional, exceptional yeah. person. So, so one thing, you know, one simple, one, one simple thing is, you know, all of us talk about our personal best. Mm-hmm. You know, we all want to do a personal best, whatever it is. If, you know, if I ran a race in 41 minutes, I want to run it in 40. Sure. If I, my peloton was 185, I want to do a 200. You know, yeah. whatever it is you do. You know, if, uh, if I closed eight deals last month, I want to close nine sales this mm-hmm. month. We always talk about a personal best. One thing that exceptionals do, uh, so uh, uh, one thing I've learned is that your personal best is actually a backward-looking statement. You're trying to better something. You know, you're looking backward. Oh, I did that. I can do a little better. Mm-hmm. But now in order to be exceptional, you, you're you looking at something I call your possible best, how far you can go, not bettering a mark you said previously. Ah, I see. Is, you know, what is my, you know, what is my possible best, not my personal best? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this has happened uh, in, in a number of cases. Uh, like, let's take co- some common examples. Uh, uh, Bjorn Borg, the tennis uh, mm-hmm. superstar. Yeah. You know, when he was eight years old, his goal was, playing on, on center court at Wimbledon. Wow. That was his North Star. It wasn't like winning his juniors matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, another yeah. tennis player, Andre Agassi, when he was playing his juniors matches, he always knew he wanted to be number one in the world. That was his goal. That was his North Star. But when he was playing tennis as a junior, he'd, he'd hit balls on purpose right on the baseline and sidelines. And very often he'd miss them and he'd lose his matches. Uh, but his thinking was that, I, I don't care if I win or lose this yeah. match. I know that when I play against the best players in the world, I'm going to have to land the ball precisely on the line. I like that. And that's the skill he was developing. Uh, and, and you see this across, across people in all fields. You know, uh, you stop thinking about bettering what you did before. You stop, you stop thinking about outcomes and you start thinking about mastery, about becoming good at what you yeah. do. You know, it's interesting. I, I don't consider myself, I suppose, one of these exceptionals or want to connect myself with them. But it's funny that you were saying what you did about Andre Agassi because I remember when I first started Lifeology, <clears throat> I, um, 
I, I, when I was younger, I, was in, I did a lot of TV and commercials and things like that. And so when I moved down here to Florida, I started um, a YouTube channel. And my goal was to have my own TV show, which, thank God, will be filming my TV show in the next couple of weeks. So I'm very excited about that. But when I started the YouTube channel, I, every day for six months, I would, do a, um, I would do a three to four minute lesson. And I didn't care if anybody watched it because every day when I practice it, it was so that I would be very adept in front of the camera when I had my TV show. So I did that for six months and kept doing it over and over again. And yeah, some people watched, some people didn't. But once again, I couldn't care less in that respect. I mean, thank you listeners or viewers who watched it. <laughs> but more in the sense of it was for me to practice honing my craft. So therefore I could be uh, ready for when TV came. And so then I was a YouTube, then I was a, a podcaster, then a radio host like I am now. And then the next thing I'll be doing, next iteration is going to be TV. But I guess I can relate with that with that, what that you're is, saying. That is absolutely right. You know, you, you were getting better at your craft, mm -hmm. not for any specific outcome, Correct. but to get better. And when the outcome presents itself or when the opportunity presents itself, you were ready. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I was, it was funny because um, when I look back on those previous, um, I guess the YouTube channels when I first started, it was, <laughs> the content was good. The uh, production and the delivery was not so good. But so it is good to reflect on that, the juxtaposition between then versus now. And now I'm so excited, obviously, for what's going to happen next. So I really like that, you know, with you saying how people can, can look towards their, their potential best instead of their personal best. With that in mind, you know, I, I like that you really go you talk about all the different types of um, careers and fields. For someone who, who doesn't have necessarily a career yet, how do you think that they would still be able to use that concept to become the, the best version of themselves without really having a, a North Star yet? Well, I think, well, I think the, the first thing you can do is actually, one thing that people are not good at doing is knowing what they're good at. Good point. You know, you, know, you ask people, what are you good at? Well, I'm not sure. You know, and, and then they end up doing something that doesn't, uh, fit with the natural sure. strength, you know. Uh, somebody may uh, somebody may have uh, been destined to become a world class musician, but mm -hmm. but their parents said, "Hey, you should play baseball." Oh, yeah, you know? sure, yeah. And, and, you know, and, and and or they may they may have become a world class chess player, and mm -hmm. and instead they started playing something else. Um, and so you have to find your strengths, and there are ways to do that. I've written about that. You know, we're we're all born with certain kinds of intelligence, certain yes. areas where we're better off than others. And if you think about yourself, there are certain things that come naturally to you. Mm -hmm. Obviously, words come naturally to you. That's why you're in this line of work. You know, uh, but, you know, but for other people, you know, uh, words may not come sure. as easily and, and, and logical and abstract reasoning may. And so they could become a mathematician or they could become a computer programmer, yeah. whereas, you know, you're successful as a, as a radio and TV personality. If so you I, have to find this, yeah, yeah, and if yeah. I remember correctly, I believe there were 11 different scales for intelligence that measure intelligence. And so, gosh, it's been so long since I was in graduate school. But yeah, but we talked about the different versions of, of the 11 scales. So you have your, your intelligence quotient, your emotional quotient, and then you have all the different versions of, of the intelligence meters. Um, and so I think a lot of people don't realize that. So I know it's interesting because if I talk to, um, if someone who has a really high IQ, and, but their EQ, their emotional intelligence, in other words, how mm -hmm. they interact with others, may be a little bit lower. You'll find that the person who has a higher EQ in other words, interacts really well with others, but maybe have a lower EQ will automatically feel less than because the social connectedness is not the same. So it's interesting because when you think of it in that respect, 
both individuals have strengths, but sometimes we view a person who has a high intelligence as, oh my gosh, they're so much smarter than me. They're so much greater than me. But when you flip it and look at the social connectedness, you'll find that you are, quote, just as intelligent, if not more intelligent when it comes to that particular sphere. So that's one thing I really like people to understand is with 11 different metrics of intelligence, you don't have to compare yourself to anybody else. When you figure out what those, those 11 um, metrics are, well, I can put them in the show notes here as well, then you can look at what, what is my expertise? What is something I'm really good at? And focus specifically on that and don't compare yourself to the other 10 different versions of intelligence. Absolutely right. I mean, one of the biggest sources of discomfort with people just in general sure. is when they compare themselves to others yeah. because that's, that's always a losing battle mm-hmm. because you're always picking people who are better than yeah. you. Yeah, and someone's always going to be better. <laughs> with, that, with that in mind, though, I, that's what I really like, though, because about your book, because when we read about those exceptional people, I like how you link the person who may not yet be exceptional. I like how you link those two together. You create that bridge to allow people to say, this is an inspiration for me. So if this person you know, had all these things that they've worked so hard on, the natural, the genetics, uh, the hard work, and all the different enablers, what are my enablers? So even though you know, I'm, not, um, I'm not Albert Einstein, but I do have my own specific aspects of that. So I really like how you use m- notable um, individuals to to be able to help people find someone that's very similar to them or perhaps has the same type of industry that they're, that they're wanting to, to enter as well. So like I said, I think this book is, is wonderful for people. Um, with that in mind, have you had any, have you had any of, your, of your reviews yet? I'm sorry? Have, I had have you had any reviews from um, any of your readers yet? Uh, yes. Uh, the, the reviews I'm getting are actually uh, uh, quite positive. Uh, oh, good. From people who are, who are working with exceptionals or exceptionals good. themselves or just people like you and me who are trying to get the mm-hmm. best from themselves. Sure. Some of the concepts uh, they particularly latch on to. One concept, and everybody just writes to me randomly, I love this concept of micro-excellence. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of the challenges. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that earlier. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, so, so basically, you know, most of us, when we try to do something, we try to focus on the big things, mm-hmm. you know. But the exceptionals uh, are so detail-oriented. They focus on the things that other people ignore. Uh, you know, uh, I, I use Michael Phelps as an example. Uh, he, he, he probably broke one of the records in, in Olympic history that will never be broken, which is sure. winning eight gold medals. Yeah, amazing. But that would not have been possible uh, if, he, if, if he just hadn't worked on hitting the timing pad and finishing a race. Oh, interesting. With, you know, with force. Otherwise, he might, he might have won seven, which would have tied him with Mark Spitz, uh, but, and he would never become the greatest Olympian of all time. Yeah. But, he was a master of detail, as is as are every exceptional. In fact, Michael Phelps once won a gold medal while he was blind in the pool because water had clogged up his goggles. And oh my gosh! He, but, but he knew every inch of the pool. Uh, he he finished the race by counting his strokes, so he knew exactly when he should turn around and exactly when he should glide in for the finish. That's amazing. You know that is the level. Of, you know, uh, people don't think about the. The detail. Everyone thinks about the big stuff. In mm-hmm. fact, we're trained to think about the big picture and the big thing and the big everything. You know, uh, don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. We all say, <laughs> but it is the small stuff that actually makes the difference. It certainly does. Is there a specific tool or technique in the book that helps people really focus on that? Yeah, there's several techniques. Uh, uh, well, one te- one technique is you know take whatever your activity is mm-hmm. or your career is and break it up into subparts in, into okay. A subsegment. Mm-hmm. If you have like five or six subsegments, that's not enough. If you've got 20 or 25, then you're in the right track. Sure. Okay. And then for each of those 25 things, 
find out you know how how you rank against your peers and and you know rate yourself on one to five so now you've got 25 items and you say that okay these are the areas i'm strong and these are the areas where you know i'm, I'm not as strong you sure. work on those and the minute you work on those and when you get get it up your set of peers will be different because now you're operating at a higher level i like that they do the exercise again and that's while you keep going up and then pretty soon you're one of the best in the world at what you do. Wow. I really like that. I mean, it's funny because I actually have people do that for their internal aspect. So to break down their life in as, in as many categories as possible. And then, you know, that could be your health and wellness your spirituality your finances, whatever it may be. But the more categories you have, then you can really do that graph as well. You compare yourself one to 10 and you determine where are your highs and where your lows. And that's how you can ha- improve your, your, um, your functionality, multiple things so that you can live a much more fulfilled life. But I love how you do that in comparison with other people uh, to better yourself. So that's, that's definitely something I will try as well. I, th- I think that's really, really quite brilliant. It's quite exceptional. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's another thing that I think people would be interested in doing. It's a simple thing uh, that I don't think anyone has written about yet. I'm going to write an article on it. Uh, I've written about this in the book. Is that, you know, take your, your smartphone and take a photo of yourself. And then there's, there are all these aging apps. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the app, you, you put a picture yeah, of yourself and face, it shows yeah. you what you yeah. look like in 20 years or something. Yeah. You just do that. Take a picture, see what you look like a couple of decades from now, and have a visceral connection with that self. That picture of you in the future is your future self. Mm. And, when you can, and, and the most exceptional people have a very close connection with themselves in the future. Yes. And you need to build that relationship. For, for most of us, our future self is like a distant relative. We kind of sort of think about it, but we're not thinking about it all sure. the time. Yeah. But when you, when you realize that, hey, I'm going to be that person in the picture, what's my life going to look like? What am I going to be doing? I like when that. you think about that, that makes you make certain decisions today. Well, because you then reverse engineer how, how you want to get to that outcome, reverse engineer it. In other words, work backwards, and then you work forwards to get there. Exactly right. Unfortunately, our time is up. We could talk about this all day. I really enjoyed this topic. So Dr. Mehta, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest on my show today. If my listeners want to find out more information about you and to purchase this book, The Exceptionals, How the Best Become the Best and How You Can Too, where would they find this information online? Uh, they can visit my website, kumarmehta.com, K-U-M-A-R-M-E-H-T-A.com. Uh, or they can just go to Amazon or their favorite bookseller and just Type in exceptionals, the exceptionals in the search bar, and they'll find the book. Perfect. Well, my listeners also know that if they can't find the information in any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com, and I will link you with Dr. Kumar Mehta's website. Thank you so much for being an awesome guest today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. It was great speaking with you. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.